How we all doing? Let's say, everybody say, what's up, PD? What's up, PD? All right, now you know you guys are ready to go. Listen, uh, great to have you in church today. We're continuing our series entitled Graffiti. This is the final installment of a four-part series. I'm kind of sad for it to be over, but I'm also psyched about what's to come. Some of you guys saw a little, um, you know, plug for three services starting next week. So let's make sure that, you know, you know, you all show up at the right times, 8, 15, 10, and 11, 45. I'll be here. Whether you are or not, I will be here. But I believe a lot of people are going to be in church next week. Amen? Amen. And so let's make that a priority. Make sure you invest and invite somebody to church next week. We're starting a new series, and hopefully you got one of these little doohickeys in your worship guide this morning. Everybody know what this is? This is a doohickey. And, uh, but basically, just so you know, this is a little tool, uh, a resource for you. First of all, it's a reminder. Hey, don't forget, uh, we're kicking off a new series next week entitled Remix. Uh, Remix. <laughs> Um, starts next week. I'm telling you, we're really excited about this series. It's kind of a, uh, it's a playoff of or similar to, remember when we did At the Movies? How many were here for At the Movies? Raise your hand. Okay, so we just kind of took modern movies to communicate really like parables and truths from Scripture. It's like a, a movie is like a, a modern parable. Jesus used stories to tell truths. We use movies to tell truths. But now this series, we're going to use music to teach biblical truths. And we're going to use modern music, tasteful. We're going to be careful of the choices that we have. Um, and, you know, rumor has it there's an 80s song in the series. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, don't want to miss, we're not telling you which week, you know, guest singer. I don't know. You might want to know who that is. But anyway, you have to find out. But um, so Remix starts next week. Make sure you invite somebody. Use this invite card. If you want more, they're at Guest Central. Just want to make you guys aware of that. It's going to be so stinking sweet awesome. All right. Get your worship guides out. You ready? You guys ready to go? Let's pray real quick, okay? Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would uh, quicken the word today, quicken us to hear the word, to not just be hearers, but doers in Jesus' name. Activate us, God, where we not just, you know, talk about stuff, but we walk out the stuff that we've received from you, God. May it be helpful, useful, edifying, encouraging. Strengthen this church, Lord God, to do the work of the ministry, to change our communities, not just be us for and no more, but we want to reach people with the good news. We believe your word is good news. It's not bad news, and help us to give it away in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. So here's, we're going to rewind just a little bit so you know what we've done so far and then what we're going to do today. Uh, three weeks already, we've talked about this whole idea of graffiti. Graffiti is uh, the kind of the tagline has been making your unique mark on the world. That's what an artist is trying to do. They're trying to express themselves. Unfortunately, sometimes it's done in an aberrant or less than positive way. It's kind of like scratched on a wall or, or a train you know, car or some alley somewhere. And, and God wants us to be able to make a mark that makes a difference. Can I have an amen? And so we talked about in week one that you have a design, that God made you a certain way uh, and that your gift that he gave you was to serve people. It was to serve a kind of a divine purpose that would change you, but it would also change others. And that your design reveals your destiny. The way you're made reveals what you were called to do. We were created to do something even before we came to be, Ephesians 2.10 tells us. And then we talked about in the second week my purpose, my design, my purpose. That God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and he wants to use you to, to bring about change in the world. And you don't want to miss that. If you, didn't, if you did, you want to go online, listen to that. Last week was probably one of my favorites. We talked about my identity. In order for the picture on the outside to be right, we have to get the picture on the inside right. 
that sometimes these things are related to our right behavior is related to our right standing. Our ability to make a change in the world is related to having a healthy identity on the inside. How many of you here last week for my identity? Raise your hand good and high if you were. Okay, if you weren't, please, 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 please go online. If you want to grow in your faith... And not just, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, just kind of stay where you are, stagnant and stale and kind of, it's just stopped in your faith. you got to get things white on the inside. So it's a great discipleship message. It'll help you grow in a big way. Today, though, we're going to talk about my beliefs. Turn to your neighbor and say, my beliefs. beliefs. We're going to talk about putting your faith into action. Action, A-C-T-I-O-N, action, action. We want action. All right? So there's there's something about... um, a graffiti artist that, you know, can't help but express certain values or beliefs in their art. Like, they, they display or in some pictorial way, they're showing what's important to them by what they put up on the walls, what they scratch on walls and train cars, and they're often painting what they hold dear, what they love, what they're passionate about, what they're excited about, and they do it in a very vivid way. And I think Christianity is supposed to be like that. I think Christianity is, is, is supposed to be something that's on display. The Bible talks about this in Philippians 2, that as Christ followers, we're supposed to shine like stars in the universe. We're supposed to stand out. We don't stand above. We're not better. We're just better off because we have a connection that's been made, and it's clear. And as a result of that, we're different because he's made us different, not because we're better. Does that make sense? We're supposed to, we're supposed to shine. We're supposed to be kind of, you know, uh, there was a nursery song, you know, like, you know that this little light of mine, you know what I mean? It's not supposed to be hidden under a bushel. It's supposed to shine. It's supposed to come out. And it's supposed to be like a breathing thing. I oftentimes say Christianity is like breathing. You take it in. But see, what happens most Christians, they they suck it in, but they don't exhale it. And so they just kind of blow up and blow away. They become weird. They're They're like, you know, those helium balloons. You know what I mean? They're just squealing into the sky. There's a lot of Christians are weird. You know what I mean? Don't look at anybody right now. Don't turn to your neighbor. Don't look around. There's some, there's some weird Christians. But what makes Christianity relevant is that we got one hand touching heaven, one hand touching earth. There's, there's a connection here, but we keep it real down here. And that's what it's supposed to be like. And so we receive from God, and then we give that away. We inhale, we exhale. We hear something, and we tell someone. And we do that in other areas of our life that are far less significant and important than our Christian beliefs and our core values. In fact, when I was younger... Um, I was a music junkie. I love music, and I, I still do. I was, it's funny how God can sanctify your gifts. When I was younger, I loved music. I used to have like three or 400 mixtapes. Anybody remember the cassettes? Come on, somebody. I had a whole, like a wall with just racks of mixtapes, and I spent all my time mixing tapes. And one of the guys that I used to mix back in the 80s was this guy, Vanilla Ice. Do you remember this guy? Come on, you guys remember that song? You remember that song? You guys know the song what I'm talking about. Right, if you don't know how to dance, you just do the hit, you know? Everybody remember hit? All right, if you don't know how to dance. Collaborate and listen. Ice back with a brand new invention. All right, we won't go there. I can do the whole thing, but I won't. I won't. I won't. I love Vanilla Ice. I told everybody about Ice. My nickname was D-Nice, but I love Vanilla Ice, okay? So that's how I rolled back then. But... For those of you like, who is that, the high hair and the crazy look, and maybe that's dating us a little bit, you know, maybe you're more comfortable or familiar with kind of this, 
this new sound that's coming out, kind of this new thing that's on display. There's this crazy dance that's out right now. Come on, some of you guys know what it is. Silent Toe. Come on, Silent Toe. You guys know this? The whip dance? Come on, you might want to stand up for this one. I don't know. This is just Silent Toe. Silent Toe. Silent Toe. You guys know this? Go ahead and do it for me. Now watch me whip. Kill it. Now watch me nene. Okay. Now watch me whip. Whip. Watch me nene. Why me do it? Now watch me whip. Watch me nay nay. Okay. Now watch me whip, whip. Watch me nay nay. Can you do it? Now watch me. Oh, watch me. Watch me. Oh, watch me. Watch me. Oh, Okay, never mind. Look at these people. They just came out of the crowd. I didn't even mean everybody just gets excited all of a sudden. I don't know who these people are. It's amazing. Random response. This church is incredible. There was absolutely no staging of that whatsoever. Now, maybe you're like, oh, I'm not a dancer. That was me. I don't get passionate about that kind of stuff. But the men out there, I know you got passionate about this one. Because if you're like me, you've watched this movie like 12 to 15 times. You, you, you repeat the words. You repeat the lines. You tell something. The first time I saw this movie, I actually cried. I was so moved. How many remember Gladiator? Remember this? Remember that? Are you not entertained? Hurls the sword at him. He's so mad. You know what I mean? I can remember he's riding through the horse in that battle scene, that opening scene. Oh, I was like freaking out. He's like, what you do in this life? Echoes in eternity. You know, oh, I was freaking out. There was so much testosterone, you know, or the picture when he faces the emperor. And remember, like the emperor says, take off your mask, you know, and he's looking at, oh, bad to the bone right there. You know, my name is Commander Maximus Aurelius. Commander of the armies of the north, what we do. You know, I'll have my revenge in this life or the life to come. You know, I'm like, oh, kill him. I'm just kidding. That's not very Christ-like. <laughs> I know, I know. But look at how passionate you get about certain things. Now, one of the passions for me, maybe a little bit even more serious than Gladiator, is this. I was really passionate about Entenmann's Danish. <laughs> Woo, baby. If you, if you haven't had this, this is the next step in your spiritual journey. You gotta have a bite of that. Actually, a guy in the last service, he told me he drives the trucks for these. He said he can hook me up. I was like, that is a God thing. That is a God thing. I can help everybody in their spiritual journey. I, I've always, I've talked about Raspberry Danish for like 15 years because once you experience it, you just cannot help but give it away. That's what Christianity is supposed to be like, too. I can remember um, maybe a little bit more personal, and some of you guys can relate to this one. It may not be quite as foolish. How many of you guys have kids? How many of you guys have kids? All right, how many of you guys wish you didn't have No, just kidding. <laughs> but you, you remember when they were cute and they were fun and they were just, you know, just so beautiful. I love all my kids, so don't misinterpret this. But I can remember my, my little girl, my oldest daughter, who yesterday won an Olympic powerlifting competition. What? But look, that's her right here. Look, that girl, she's an Olympic powerlifter. She was so cute and just little teeny, little teeny, teeny, teeny thing. When she was a year old, she only weighed about 12 pounds. 
She was like, she's just very, very small baby. And, and every time I get in a conversation with somebody, I might not know them. I might only be talking to them 60 seconds to five minutes. It ain't going to be long. I'm pulling out my wallet. That's back in the day when we carried pictures of our kids in our wallet. Now it's like phones and, you know, mountains of things. But it was, it was pictures back then. I remember that. And I would pull out my picture. I'd be talking about my kids just in seconds. I couldn't help but speak about that which I loved and cared about, that which I had passion and conviction about. I would talk about it, and it was, there's things that are far more important than even my children, or certainly an Entenmann's Danish or a Gladiator movie. There are things that sometimes we have a hard time sharing or giving away. In essence, we promote what we love, and we tell others about what we've seen, what we've experienced, what we've heard, and we share what we believe in, and we do it in vivid, pictorial ways that are trying to bring people back to that experience, back to that moment, back to that, that special time and the defining moment in our life. And I'm going somewhere with this, but when you speak about things that are important to you, it has influence and it has conviction. And your expressions, again, they're extremely compelling and they paint a picture. Your beliefs move people to action and invite people to change. Or they should. According to recent surveys and studies about people's beliefs in God in America, three out of four Americans say they believe in God. Three out of four. That's pretty good. Seven out of ten believe Jesus is the Son of God or God the Son. But when we look and we're honest and we look at people's lives, we can't honestly say that we can see that seven out of ten are living as followers of Christ and that their lives are changed and transformed by the relationship they have. In other words, while the majority of us believe in God, the majority act like he doesn't exist. This is where it gets tough and gets a little bit strong. But here's your big idea in your notes. Many believe in God, but they act like he doesn't exist. But the Bible says this. And I'm going to make some distinctions so you can see these things clearly. But in James 2.17, it says, Faith that does not do things is a dead faith. Faith that doesn't do things, faith without action, you could say, is dead. Paul in Titus chapter 1 was talking to some believers who had kind of drifted away from what they said they believed. And he said this in verse 16. He said, They claim to know God. But by their actions, they deny him. There's some relationship that's important between our actions and what we say we believe. And so I want to give four cautions for every uh, supposed Christ follower or actual Christ follower. Four cautions for Christians. This is an all-play message. Everybody say all-play. All Number one, sometimes we prefer a cultural Christianity, a cultural Christianity. In other words, my dad was a Catholic, my mom was a Presbyterian, my father was a Baptist, my so-and-so was a this, my so-and-so was a that, and we go, to, we go to church on Christmas and Easter, we're C&Es, and we go to church when our family's in town, and that's kind of, that's, that's, that's us. Or I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian because I'm not a Muslim. I'm a Christian because I'm not this or I'm not that, and so by default, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Listen, I have no judgment, so don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying here. I'm just trying to draw a distinction with what we say we believe and then what the Scripture says belief looks like, okay? So sometimes, depending on what part of the world we live in, if you're nothing else, you're kind of just lumped into this category of Christian, and that's what I mean by a cultural Christian. But I want to explain something with an illustration to try to make it clear what God intended for us was more than that. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Okay? God is looking for a relationship. He's not looking for you to attach to a facility, but to a, an owner, as Devin was saying. Okay? And so, for example, with my wife. Before she was my wife, I, I believed in Stacy. 
I wanted to know Stacy, but I didn't know Stacy. I really wanted to know Stacy, okay? Uh, I saw her on campus. I saw her about, oh, there's Stacy. Oh, there's, oh, there's, whoa, hey, there's Stacy. I can remember seeing her name on a roster for sports and just be like, I want to get on that team. You know, I want to be a part of that roster. I'd sign up for sports and things I didn't even like just to be a part of that. And, and, and I, 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 I didn't know her, but I believed in her. One day, she called me. Whoop, whoop. She called me. I thought, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. But she called me to set me up with her roommate. How many know this is not good? This is not good. <laughs> but man, I did, a, I did a 360 on that. I turned that thing around, and, and I won't take you through the whole story, but uh, I made my move in that phone call. I'm like, I've got her on the phone. We are contact. We are connected. And a lot has happened since that day, and I won't take you through it all, but suffice it to say, one month, one month from now, we will celebrate 24 years being married together. Isn't that awesome? Amen. I know her, and I know her intimately. I don't believe in her. I know her. I can walk into a room and 49 other women in there, and I just see one. I see Stacy. I can walk into a room, and I, can, I know her smells. I don't know the names of all the perfumes, so if she tests me later, I won't remember. But I know her smells. I know what she smells. I know those certain, I know the sounds. I know I can call out of a crowd. I can hear her voice, and I know her accent, and I know her little nuances of the different things she said. And, and, and I know her quirks. I know, I know, I know that, that if I take something that's supposed to go and recycle and I put it in the trash, she's going to know even if she's out of state. She's like, she just, she just knows, she just knows. And then if I, if I take the stuff and I put it in recycle like a good boy, but I don't fold it up and crush it and, and do all the different things that I'm supposed to do with it, then she turns into Satan. I know that. I know that. It's not good. I know that if I don't put the dishes and the silverware in the right slot and I don't flip it upside down the right way so the forks part's coming out, if I don't do that, she's going to be very angry with me. And you won't like it when she's angry. All right? I know that. Oh, she's got a mic. Yikes. Uh, wow. How did that happen? Um, but what I know is this. I'm still getting to know Stacy. It's a journey. It's a process. And I'm still getting to know her more and more and more because it's a relationship. I don't just believe in Stacy. I know Stacy. Does that make sense? And God, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of life and the universe, he wants to know us like he wants us to know him, excuse me, like he knows us. Amen. He's desperate to come into relationship with you and with me. And so sometimes there's levels of relationship. There's different levels of relationship. Some people believe in God, but they don't know him. Say, how can you believe in God, pastor, and not know him? Well, the Bible says so. In James 2.19, look in your notes, it says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God. Isn't that enough? It says, good for you. Like, good job. But even the demons believe. Contrast. Ho, ho. Even the demons believe, and they tremble in terror. And he goes on to say in 1 John 2, 3 and following, says, we know that we have come to know him. How? If we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands. In other words, this is not saying you're perfect and you do everything right, which is why a lot of people don't want to come to church because they think church is just for perfect people or just church people. Church is supposed to be for all people. It's the perfect place for imperfect people to become perfect, be being made perfect in relationship with God, not in advance. Does that make sense? And so it says, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, there's no fruit. In other words, there's no remorse when we make a mistake. There's, there's no sense 
uh, of transformation in their life. No change. I'm going to show you some people later who, whose lives are changed. Then he's a liar or she's a liar, and the truth is not in that person. And so many on this earth may have a, a lot of knowledge about God. They can quote scriptures maybe, even know the stories and parables of Jesus. They know the liturgy of the church. They know those kind of things about him, and, but they can and might miss heaven by 18 inches because they didn't know him. They didn't know him. Some of you aren't there. Maybe you're in a different place. You're like, I believe in God. I, I know him. This isn't in your notes, but I know him. I don't know him that well. Some people believe in him but don't know him. Some people believe in him, know him, but don't know him that well. This weekend, I had the opportunity to be around some what I call spiritual giants in the faith, you know, and you wouldn't maybe know some of these people, but for me, they're a big deal. Willie George and Mark Rutland and Matthew Barnett, who started Dream Centers all over the world, and, and it was just a privilege and an honor to break bread with them and share the platform and take pictures with them, and, and if I saw them in another location, another city, and got to do any of that all over again, they'd remember me, and I could say, remember this and remember that, and it was real and it was legit, but I don't know them well. I know them, but I don't know them well. And the reality is, many of you have encountered God. It was real. It was legit. You've experienced God. He may have answered some prayers in your life, and you may have felt his presence on occasionally. But the reality is, you haven't grown in him. You don't know him well. You've been informed about Jesus, but you have yet to be transformed by Jesus because of relationship that is lacking. And I'm not saying that you're out of the family of God. When I have a fight or discussion, like I like to say with my wife, we don't divorce over that fight, but I might be in the doghouse over that fight. Some of us, it's not a perfect analogy, but some of us think we're, we're still in the family of God, but we're distant from God. In essence, we're in the doghouse. We're removed from the intimate relationship with God, and that's where life change happens, is in that intimacy. Does that make sense to anybody out there? And I don't know, I, sometimes I feel like, we come to connect and, you know, and pastor encourages. And encourage. Sometimes encouragement is tell it to me like it is. Right. Sometimes you need, like, when, when are you going to take that next step in your faith? When are you going to move from a self-centered, self-absorbed life to a selfless, give your life? When are you going to move from living to make a living to living to make a difference? When is that going to happen for you? That's what God is looking for. Because, see, I, I, I knew him at different times in my life, but I didn't know him well. But by knowing him, I'm not perfect, but I'm being made perfect. I'm being transformed. The word in the Christian experience is sanctified. It means from the inside out, we're, being, we're be becoming a new person. We're being transformed. We work our salvation out, it says in Philippians, with fear and trembling. It's a process. It's a journey. The next thing that kind of happens, this isn't in your notes either, but is that some people, they, they, they believe in him but don't know him. Some people believe in him but don't know him well. Some people believe in him and know him well and are serving him wholeheartedly. And I want to make that as attractive as I possibly can. The people that, are, that, are, that are know him well and, and are intimate fellowship, they know what it's like to walk by faith and not by sight. They know what it's like that when there's a storm and something bad is happening, somehow in the middle of that they have a peace that the Bible says that's beyond understanding. They know what it's like when they don't know what to do to rely on the love of the Holy God that they serve and the Holy Spirit, and he gives them something in time, in season, right there on the spot. The power of God is demonstrated in their life, and they know that it wasn't them, and they're not putting confidence in the flesh, but they're rejoicing in Christ Jesus who gave them the ability to overcome and do all things through him. That's the example. That's what it looks like. That's how it's demonstrated 
There's an intimacy there. There's a relationship there that realizes I can't do it without him. These are more than symptoms. They are signs of intimacy. Here's the next caution for Christians. There's the cultural Christian, but then there's the customized Christian. The customized Christianity. Proverbs 36 says this. Sin whispers to the wicked. Deep within their hearts, they have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wickedly they are. In other words, we can believe in God but not fear him. Now, I don't have the time, maybe not even the ability to adequately express what the fear of the Lord is and what it's all about. But let me start by saying sometimes we customize as Christians our fellowship. I'll take a little bit of this, but I don't, don't give me any of that. I like this part, but I don't like that part. I can remember back in the day, way back, when there were only three kinds of ice cream. We used to call it the Holy Trinity, vanilla, strawberry, and chocolate. And then what happened? Baskin Robbins showed up with how many flavors? You remember? They started with 31 flavors. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I can't even believe it. You could go into a Baskin Robbins, you could have a taste of this, you could have a taste of all 31 flavors if you wanted to, and walk out, which I did. <laughs> what was happening when that took place, and I think there was a shift in Christianity where we moved to this customized Christianity, moving towards you get to choose and pick what you want is pattern. And now we can choose our kicks and our shoes, and you can change the colors online, and you can do this size and that, and you can choose, you know, you can choose every, you can choose your toilet paper. You can customize your toilet paper. You can get customized bobbleheads. You can get customized boyfriends, kind of the same. You can get, you can get, you know, eMatch and eHarmony or whatever, those, match.com, all those different things that you can do. You know, if you went to a Sonic, listen to this. If you, anybody know what Sonic is? This fast food place? You can get 3.5 million different choices of slushies. That's how many combinations they have. And Starbucks doesn't even know how many combinations because you can have it the way you want it. I sat in line and watched somebody go to Starbucks. I, I thought they were praying in tongues. I, I listened to, I'll have a patata 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 I was like, hold on, Lord, let me pray for that interpretation. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know even what they're talking about. It's so customized. Because of this and many other reasons that we cannot mention today, Christians are moving to a customized Christianity. Listen to this. God created us in his image, but now we're going to create God in the image we want him to be in. God created us in his image, and now we're going to return the favor and create God in our own image. And so now I'll take the love of God, but don't give me any, you know, the justice of God. I'll take the mercy, but not the justice. I'll, I'll take the blessing, but I don't want any consequences. I'll take the, you know, uh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but you know what? I don't want to surrender to him, you know, and, and see him as the owner of my life. I like this, but I don't like that. It's customized Christianity, and we believe in God, but we don't fear him. And, and so sin, maybe to us as believers, whispers to you and to me when we're alone, subconsciously or consciously, do what you want. It's no big deal. Who's going to know? It's your body. You can do what you want to. Don't let others impose their values on you. It's like what happened in the Genesis account when the serpent was speaking to Eve. You know, God did not say. That won't hurt anybody. What if this verse was talking to you? What if the verse was talking to me? Are we blind to our self-absorption, our self-centeredness, or our self-deception, which is the worst kind of deception, is when we're deceived ourselves. We can't even see how wicked sometimes and disconnected and in the doghouse we really are. And I'm not trying to preach 
hellfire and brimstone, turn and burn. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I'm just saying the justice of God, the justice of God is true, but it's incomplete. The mercy of God is true, but it's incomplete. Jesus came with both truth and grace, both. You cannot just have and focus on legalism, which says you got to do this and you got to prove that. And if you love me, you'll this, this, this. You can't focus just on license where no matter what happens, God loves you. It doesn't matter. You can party on Saturday and you can praise on Sunday. No big deal. No, there has to be a marriage, a divine tension between the two where you love God and you respect God. And that equals the fear of God. Amen. Amen. See, I, amen, amen. See, I love, my, I love my father. I love my spiritual fathers. I was thinking about one that I was with just last week, Pastor Jonathan, who's been here many uh, times, and, and he is, uh, he's my friend. We have familiar, uh, uh, we talk in familiar and familial terms. I can just tell him kind of anything. I can, I can be myself. I don't have to, like, couch it and, and, and cover it. And, and it's very loving. He left me the nicest message just yesterday. And, and you know, we just, it's a loving relationship. But the flip side is, so I love him. But I also respect him as a pastor, as a spiritual influencer in my life, as a father figure to me. And when he says something, his words have weight. And I need to pay attention to those and respect those and sometimes I might need to do exactly what he says because I because I have a holy reverence for the man that's how it's supposed to be with God I love Jesus with all my heart and he you know, I love the fact that he would give his life for me and because of that I want to give my life for him but he's still God a holy God who sits at the right hand of God the Father and he's making intercession for me and for that reason I should respect him I love my father, Father God, who lavished his love on us such a way that he gave his son. What kind of love is that? You would give your only son. I love him for that. And because of that, I want to give my life. But our God, the Bible says, is a consuming fire. He's a holy God, and he needs to be revered and respected. That's what it looks like to fear the God. And when we fear God, it restrains us from falling into sin and the snares and the traps of the enemy. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me, everybody? Proverbs 14, 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Proverbs 22, 4 says, True humility and the fear of the Lord leads to what? You know, boredom? No, riches, honor, and a long life. The Bible says, Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and you enjoy a long and satisfying life. It's the same is true with our spiritual and heavenly father. Here's the next caution for Christians. Number three, we practice sometimes a categorical Christianity. Categorical Christianity. Now, I don't know how many of you like to be in control, but if I was to ask you to raise your hand, and, and, or if you knew somebody that wasn't raising your hand, you'd probably try to get them to raise your hand, which means you're probably the one who has the control issue. You know, how many of you like to handle the remote control? Come on, all the men. Any ladies got to have the remote control? I'm interested. Not many care about that. No, it's, oh, there's a few. All right. I call it the he-mote control, not the she-mote. Anyway, that's just a sidebar. But there's just this tendency in some of us to want to control everything. You might be that person that, like, whenever you go out to eat and you kind of throw it out there, hey, where do you guys want to go? Somehow you're the one that always gets to go where they want to go. You might have a control issue. Or maybe you're the person who, like, when you go somewhere, you have to drive. You have to be the one behind the wheel. Like, you can't be in the passenger seat. And if you are, you are co-piloting the whole time. You got a control issue, <laughs> right? And what happens is those things and others can tend to bleed from the natural world into the spiritual world. They tend to bleed into our relationship with God as well. And this is a group that believes in God, but there are just some things that I'm going to continue to control. And hold on to. 
Check this out. This verse in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 23 in your notes. God has moved his people into a promised land. He's blessed them. He's been good to them. And then he kind of, he says something corrective. He says, go up and take possession of the land. Verse 23, I have given you, but you've rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. How? You did not trust him. Everybody say trust. You did not trust him or obey him. You did not trust his instructions or what he told you is what he's saying in this verse. Many people are... They struggled. My dad used to, I don't know where he got this, somebody, but we used to say delayed obedience is no obedience or partial obedience is no obedience. So there's a tendency for us sometimes to hold back certain things from God. And I was rewriting a scripture, which is heresy, so I'm admitting that right now just to make a point. But this, this is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 from the PSV version, the partially surrendered version, okay? Some of you will know this verse and maybe it'll pop for you. But this is what it says from the PSV. It says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him, and you can make your own path straight. Now you might say, Pastor, that's not the Bible. I said, but I would say to you and sometimes myself, that's the Bible that many of us are living That's the scripture that many of us are following. We believe in God, but we don't trust him fully. I'll give you this, but I'm not going to give you that. I'll give you the first hour on Sunday, but don't take away my Friday and Saturday nights, baby. I'll give you that hour, but don't take away all these hours. I'll give you the first five minutes, the first fruits of every day, but don't ask me for the first fruits of my resources. That Oh, that hurts. Sometimes we don't trust him fully, and if you never get to a place where you trust him fully, you'll never get to a place where you, where you get to see the full impact of what he wants to do in you and through you. There was a guy named Charles Blunden, kind of an interesting name, but he was a tightrope walker. And somewhere in the late 1800s, he came to Niagara Falls and he, under uh, extreme inspiration, he said, I, I know what I need to do with my life. He found his purpose. He looked at this, these falls and he said, I want to walk across these falls on a tightrope. That's some interesting inspiration, but that's what he got. And it was 1,100 feet from one side to the other, and the tightrope was, was 160 feet above the water. And amazingly, he called, all these people came out to watch him, and he would charge them like a quarter, which back then was a lot of money, and so he'd walk away with quite a bit of money and thousands and thousands of people to come watch him. The first time he walked across successfully, it was incredible, and all he had was like this long stick. And then eventually he started walking across blindfolded. And then eventually he started walking across. One time he walked across on stilts. Incredible. Did all these acrobatic feats, sometimes hanging upside down, all these crazy things, and the people would just gasp. Another time he walked across, he had something with him, like some kind of a makeshift oven, and he cooked an omelet in the middle and ate it, and then continued to walk across. Another time he took a wheelbarrow all the way across, and when he got to the other side, one of the patrons or reporters that were there said, you know what, I believe in you so much, I bet you could put a person in that wheelbarrow and walk across, and he said, you're right, why don't you get in? <laughs> the guy said, I, don't, I can't do that. And see, that's how many of us are. We say we believe, but we are not ready to put our full trust in what we say we believe. The story goes on to say that an old woman came out of the crowd and she got in the wheelbarrow and he walked her all the way across. And the story says that it was his mother. It was his mother. Because they had a relationship and she trusted him. And sometimes we're not willing to put our total trust in God. So what do we do? I think we need to get honest with ourselves. Some of you, if you think about that thing that's keeping you from moving, this is a move forward message. This is where are you 
you need to go from here to the next step. There's something that's holding you back, and it's that thing. You've got these white-knuckle things with God. I'm not letting go of this. And that is what is keeping you from growing and moving forward in your faith. You might need to identify that. You might need to write that down. Is it your kids? I can't let go. I'm con- I want to control the outcomes. I'm afraid. Is it your health? I can't trust them fully with my health. Is it your wealth? It's a big one in the Bible, and I don't like to overemphasize it because it gets so abused in the church, but the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also in Matthew 6.21. So there's a super, super strong correlation between those two things. Maybe it's an addiction. You know what? I, I can't trust you to meet all my needs. This has to meet my need. Maybe it's the fear of the future. What is it that you are holding on to? Get honest and then get courageous. It's time for you to not wait for the best opportunity. It's time for you to not just, it's time for you to make an opportunity. Sometimes we say, well, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. There are so many good intentions out there and so many people that are just waiting for the stars and the moon to align and maybe there'll be an eclipse and then I can do it or maybe it won't rain and maybe it'll be sunny. When that happens, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe people never get anything done. People that get stuff done make a decision. They do it and they die by it if necessary. Sometimes you got to get courageous. Do something. Do something today that demonstrates you trust God. This is what the verse actually said. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge means submit. The Hebrew word is yada. It means completely surrender those things to him. And then the Bible says he, not you, will make your path straight. Here's the fourth caution. Are you ready? The fourth caution is some of us want to avoid crazy Christianity. Crazy Christianity. Now, there are some crazy Christians, but I'm not sure they're getting anything done for God. But I'm not talking about that. But there was, there was let me say this. Re- Revelation 3, we're going to look at in just a second. This is a letter written by John the Beloved under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to seven different churches. Six of them, he said, good jo- God says, good job, good job. I got one thing I want to talk to you about. But one of them, no good job, i got to talk to you about something. And he talks to this church of Laodicea. Laodicea was this kind of fat cat church. Basically, it was in a city that 35 years earlier had been destroyed by an earthquake. And just like in very short order, they rebuilt the whole city because they were wealthy and they had tremendous wherewithal. It was like a, like a Las Vegas in the desert, like a Dubai, this just elaborate, you know, um, just very wealthy city. All the tricks and all the I- intricate, you know, opportunities for people to be entertained were in this city, very opulent city. And in Revelation 3, God speaks to this church in that city and says, I know all the things you do, this is strong now, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, remember that word lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That word spit means reject, vomit. I am, you say, you say to God in response, I am rich though. I have everything I want. I don't need anything. That's the modern American mentality. And you don't realize, God's saying, that you're, you're in trouble. You're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. There's things you're not seeing. But then he doesn't just beat them up. He gives them an invitation in verse 20. He says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm knocking on the door of your heart. If you hear my voice and you open that door, I'll come in and I'll share a meal together with you in your mess, in your situation, but you have to invite me in. The handle is on the inside of the door. You have to say yes to me. And Jesus speaks to this church, and he basically says, how you live reflects the reality of what you say you believe at some point. 
And Jesus is saying, better you be cold, better you be hot, don't be lukewarm. The movie War Room, some of you saw this movie, and there's an elderly woman, Clara, who sees this realtor who comes into her home, and she asks for a cup of coffee, and Clara serves her as she's trying to challenge her in her faith, a lukewarm cup of coffee. Anybody remember this scene in the movie? And, and if you haven't seen that movie, then you, you need, it's a, it's a next step in your spiritual development, okay, to see that movie, okay? And so Clara, she, she, this, this woman, Liz, picks up this drink. She's like, oh, they haven't even met. She just rejects it right away. And she says, you don't like, basically, you don't like a lukewarm cup of coffee? No. And neither does God. Neither does God. See, I'd rather have an iced coffee or a hot coffee, but I sure as heck don't want a coffee that's been sitting out for four hours. And neither does God. It's an oxymoron to have a lukewarm Christian. The two words should not go together. What is an oxymoron? It's taking two words, kind of two different types of words, and putting them together opposite. They're opposite of each other, but they don't match. It's like tight slacks. They don't match. It's like act natural. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't match. like genuine imitation. Jumbo shrimp, you know what I mean? Airline food. <laughs> Government efficiency. You know what I'm saying? Like Microsoft works. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Somebody out there. <laughs> but lukewarm Christian is an oxymoron in God's eyes. But we're living like that sometimes. We believe in God, but we don't want to go overboard. And so in our attempt to not go overboard and be that crazy Christian, you can find yourself drowning under the ship without an anchor, without an oar. And if you're honest about your faith, and if you step back today, and you're just honest, and you're saying, okay, PD, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a moment, I'm gonna sit back, and I want you to think about this for you, not for your neighbor, not for your husband or spouse or your kids, for you. If you were to look back last month, over the last year, are you growing in your faith? Year over year, are you in the same place that you were last year, last month, last week? It might be because of these different categories in your life, these different cultural things, these different customized things that are going on in your life. How do you move forward then, Pastor? How do we go from here to there? One word, commitment. Commitment is the secret sauce to moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. In one place it says, commit your actions to the Lord and then your plans will succeed. And the steps of commitment are dependent of your position in your spiritual journey. So your next step is different maybe than my next step. You might be ahead in the journey, further along is a better word than me, or I might be further along than you, so my next step is different than your next step. It's dependent on your position on your journey, but it is preceded by your disposition on the journey. What is the condition of your heart? There's no, wherever you are in your journey, the, the first thing that has to change is right here. There's, there's a resistance sometimes to the way somebody's saying something, the way it's coming across. Oh, I think he's mad. I think he's just... How about just listen to God's voice and let him speak to your heart? Amen. How about respond to the voice of God and maybe not the voice of man? Separate from what I'm doing wrong or right. Is there anyone here maybe who hasn't surrendered their life fully? In fact, let's do this for a second. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. Put your notes away for a second. We're just going to be a little bit different today. A lot of times we teach too much and talk too much, and we need to encounter someone, not talk about something. Just be very still for a second. A lot of times we're not given an opportunity to respond, and I want to give you an opportunity to respond in your heart. 
you might be here and you have certain next steps that you need to take in your spiritual walk. I bet you most of you know what those are if you're already a Christ follower and you're holding back for different reasons. How long will you hold back? How long will you resist the Holy Spirit? But maybe you're here today and you're experiencing kind of a knocking at the door of your heart and God is inviting you into a relationship with him. Not that you believe in God, but that you come to know God. It's awesome. It's life-changing to be in relationship with God. Not to go to a church or some group thing or get in classes or just read your Bible. No, I'm talking about a personal relationship with God where you talk not to him but with him. He wants to have that kind of relationship with you. It starts with a personal decision, but I believe it was never meant to be private. It's actually something that changes you on the inside, but it actually becomes visual and visible on the outside. It's your choice to respond to that because the most powerful spiritual muscle you've been given is free will agency. It is the strongest muscle you have in your life. And you can say no right now or you can say yes right now to God. And if you've never said yes to God, inviting Jesus Christ into your life, because he's the one that makes things right between you and God the Father. You can't do that. You can't. You have to transfer your trust from your good works to his finished work on Calvary 2,000 years ago. He died so you could be in a relationship with him. He lived a sinless life, and then he died so that when you die, you can live with him forever, eternally, be in relationship with him. But more than that, eternity begins when you come to know him. That relationship can start on this side of heaven and continue beyond that. It's your choice. One day we'll have to bow. Today we get to choose to bow. If you know he's talking to you and you want to kind of bend your knee figuratively, maybe even literally, and give your life to Jesus between me, you, and God, no looking around, just not going to embarrass anybody. This is a hassle-free thing, but this is an opportunity that's real. And you want to give your life to Jesus. Will you raise your hand and say, that's me. Good and high. Just say, that's me. I don't want to go out of here without having it. Good and high. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, yes. Anybody else that says that's me, I don't want to miss it. Don't want to miss it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sister. That's incredible. If you're listening online, you respond too, right where you are. The Spirit of God can work right through technology. That's how he goes. That's how he does it. Now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Those of you who raised your hand and those that didn't, the rest of the church, would you pray this prayer with me? Just say, Jesus. Come on, say it like me. Say, Jesus, this is my moment. It's a defining moment. One of the most important in my entire life to surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. I transfer my trust from myself and my works to your finished work. I believe, but I also want to know you. And I believe you want to know me. I invite you into my heart today in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, for every person who said that prayer, I pray that something happened on the inside of them that happened on the inside of me many, many years ago and many many people in this room have experienced. Bring it fresh to the people who, who, who had that experience. Bring it alive again to them today as well, but to those for the first time, I pray that you quicken their mortal bodies, that they realize that their spirit man is coming alive right now and something happens. Now they can hear the voice of God and recognize the voice of the shepherd in accordance with John chapter 10. He knows their voice and they know his voice because they came to God. Anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved in Jesus name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for those decisions. Praise the Lord. All right, look at this. Here's here's what I want to do now. The Bible actually instructs us when we believe to be baptized. 
When we believe, then we're baptized. Now, some of you come from different traditions, and you were infant baptized. I have no quorum or quarrel with that experience at all. I think it's a wonderful tradition. However, we just simply teach and practice what the scriptures say. And the scriptures talk about baptism by immersion, or what we call a believer's baptism. A person is cognitive and aware and chooses to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and first believe and then be baptized. Actually, on November 8th, we're going to have a special service for our water baptism and baby dedication, explain the differences and celebrate both one tradition and one powerful ordinance of the church, water baptism, on November 8th. Today, I want to encourage you. I don't know where you're in your spiritual journey, but if you've been a Christ follower for a long time and have never followed in the footsteps of Jesus and being water baptized, Jesus did it, that was enough for me. That was enough for me. Some of you are struggling in your faith to move forward. You're struggling to be a bold witness. A lot of times you'll say things like, if I asked this church, do you love your church? You would all hoot and holler. But to express what you love out there, there needs to be a change that happens in here, and it starts by what happens right over there. You need to make a commitment to be water baptized. It's the next step in some of your journey. Some of you have been a Christ follower one month, two months, two years, 20 years, and have never taken that next step. That's why you're struggling in your faith, because you haven't committed to the Lord all your ways and acknowledged him so that your plans and the purposes of God will succeed in your life. I want you to take this connection card out. Do it right now. Take it out right now. Everybody, come on quickly. Take this connection card out. Honor your pastor, please. I beg you. Take this out. Wave it at me. He's making me do stuff today. Yes, this is an action church, okay? All right, on the back side of this church, it says, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. Today, make the decision. What is holding you back? Oh, I don't want to get my hair wet. Jesus died for you. You don't want to get your hair wet? What are you talking about? I have some doctrinal issues. I have some questions. We'll go downstairs and get a CD and get an application and find out, get those questions answered. How long? You're in a church where can answer those questions. How long will you wait? What will keep you from being baptized? Today is the day for you to be baptized. And listen, I want to, we're going to actually show you a, a person that, that has committed their life to Christ, that's on fire for Jesus, a young man who's just such an awesome, he's like a spiritual son, he's a, kind of a second member of our family, he's around my kids all the time, and Jesus has changed his life. He's going to come up with his best friend. I want to introduce Mike Richwine and also Matt Cunio. Will they come to the front right now? <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this real quickly. Uh, Matt was baptized. Matt's on the right here. He was baptized in the last service, and uh, he shared his testimony. It was incredibly powerful. And as a result of that experience, many people actually said, I want to get baptized and have signed up for it. And some people want to get baptized in this service because of what they saw last service. So we're going to baptize Mike in just a second, and he's going to share his testimony. But I just want to issue a challenge. I normally cannot do this, but why wait? If you want to get baptized... Get your butt up here right now. Come up here on the stage and get baptized. Say, why don't I have any clothes? Go home wet. Go home wet. We got towels right here. I challenge anybody. Who wants to get baptized? Come on out. Who wants to get baptized? Go home wet. Come on. Come on. If you believe, come on up. You can stand up right up here. You can stand on this side over there. What's going to hold you back? Come on. Come on. Who else wants to get baptized? Come on. Yeah. 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 Anybody else? Come on, man. Come on, Dexter. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Why wait? Why wait? Come on, Elaine. Not a girl. What hinders you? What hinders you from being baptized? Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. 
All right. All right. Come on up. Wow. 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 Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this over. Do you got a mic there, uh, Mikey? There's a mic there on that thing over there somewhere. I'm going to let Mikey share something with you. Is this powerful or what? Oh, my gosh. I'm tingling all over. This is so cool. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. Baptism is it's a, it's basically a statement, an inward conviction, but an outward expression. Baptism is saying this. I'm going down into the waters. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. It's when Jesus went down into the grave. He went down to the grave, and then on the third day, he was raised to life. We're going down into the waters, and we're saying, our old life, we are leaving in the watery grave. We're coming up a new person. That's already happened for Mike. Mike surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. A prerequisite for following Jesus in water baptism is you've already surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Have you guys already surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, confessed him as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, you can do that right now. But it's important that you've already confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've done that, the Bible, like Philippians, it says, what hinders you from being baptized? Nothing. Nothing. You want to move forward in your faith? Today's the day of salvation, and today's the day also of being baptized. It'll change you. It changes everybody else. Okay? So it's powerful that way. Nothing changes. Nothing hinders you from doing that. It's, it's, for you guys, it's, it's the wedding band of Christianity. That's what I call it. Okay? I was already married to Stacy. I made a commitment to her in my heart to be with her forever. But this wedding ring says I belong to her. I'm with her forever. I'm coming out. I want everybody to know that I'm married. I'm off the market because of what I put on my finger. When you get baptized, you're off the market for the enemy. You're no longer going to go back to that old life, to that old pattern, to those old ways. No, not anymore. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus, a new creation, and you're unashamed to call him your own. And he's unashamed to call you his own. He'll never be ashamed of you. Don't ever be ashamed of him. This is your opportunity to go public before God and say he's the most important person in your life. Amen? I'm going to let Mike just share his testimony with you quickly. I can't say enough about this young man and what an incredible influence he's been on so many people, but we're so proud of him. Go ahead, Mike. I'll shut up. <laughs> Thank you, PD. Um, guys, I want to share with you what salvation is to me. Salvation is a hard choice, being saved. My relationship with Jesus began privately when I decided I needed saving, but I set my, my pride aside, and I trusted Jesus to work in my life. He has, and he does. His work has inspired me and driven me to follow his word passionately. I want to be baptized today because I'm ready to step up and step out yeah. of my comfort zone. I want to publicly express that I can't do this life alone. But with him on my side, I am fearless, afraid of nothing and no one. Amen. Amen. For he is greater than I. He washed away our sins. We still continue to falter, but he loves us anyway. Amen. His love truly is unconditional. If he's willing to die for our sins, and the least I can do, the least we can do, is to live in his name. Amen. 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 That's awesome. Okay. Here's how we're going to go. I need... <laughs> we got another one. Mikey's going to go in first. I need everybody that's going to get baptized to kind of go around that false wall. Gretchen will kind of lead you in one at a time. So if you can kind of go around and get a line, kind of get off the... The, the front of the stage here so we can everybody can see. Mikey's going to demonstrate for us. Go, go uh, follow Gretchen. Gretchen, wave your hand. They're going all the way over by Gretchen. All the way around the corner. All the way around the corner. All the way around the corner. You can go off the stage and around the side if you need to. Just 
Okay, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to baptize Mike, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a general dismissal. I doubt many people are going to leave, but if you need to leave, I want to give you the freedom to leave. Some of you need to leave to go get your kids because this, this could go a while, and you can bring your kids back up at dismissal. My son's going to come. Actually, I'm going to take over. I'll just do it, son. Um, we have a, a, just a couple quick things while I have your attention and they're getting ready. Tonight, downstairs in the lower auditorium, we have our 201 class. It's part of your growth. Some of you, that's your next step. Get and go to the growth track. Additionally, I want to encourage you um, to, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, our remix series. Just make sure that you get these cards and you, and you grab those and you invite people. I want to show you a quick video as soon as we baptize um, Mike, but uh, let's make sure that we celebrate this moment for him because he was willing to lead from the front, be an example to many, encourage others to do the same, and this is a special moment in his spiritual development. Really loud, Herman, really loud. Okay, Michael, because of the profession of your faith and your desire to believe and to obey Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in the precious name of, of Jesus. And may your life from this time forth be ever changed. Amen.